0: Happy New Year, everybody! It's a good year. Uh, uh, those of you who have made um, New Year's resolutions and have already fallen off the wagon, don't worry about it. Today's a new day. Just get right back up and get started again. So, uh, I wound up falling off the wagon yesterday <laughs> a little bit. Uh, okay, we'll start over today. It's a new week, new day. Amen. Uh, but. But I do want to welcome you guys. Uh, Ellie, it's good, so good to have you here. And you are far more spiritual than me because, like, you, you know, Brian asked you, said, what are you most excited about being here in the United States? And you're like, oh, I'm just excited about what God's going to do and this and this, and it's going to be amazing. Like, the first answer that came to my mind, I would have, t- what are you excited about being in the United States? Tacos. <laughs> that's, 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 like, the first thing that came to mind. Man, I'm just get some real tacos, man. Uh, you will understand The day will come. You'll be most excited. So, Lena, what is the most awesome thing you've encountered so far in the United States? You eat it every morning. Breakfast Breakfast tacos. See what I mean? And that's okay because that's still giving God glory because he gave us all the wonderful things to put into breakfast tacos. He said, take these eggs and these tortillas and Veggies and cheese. Go forth and eat breakfast tacos. That's good stuff. Good, good stuff. Uh, we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about restoration, because life can take a chunk out of you often. And uh, Julie and I have been in this community for almost five years, and many of you have had the opportunity to pray with you, chat with you. Some of you have sat on my porch. Some of you have been in your homes, and you've shared things with me. And and. Man, we've got some hurting people here, and that's all right. It doesn't mean that you don't love the Lord or that God isn't good in your life, but at the same time, it just means that sometimes you get wounded in life, and, and things happen that disappoint you. Things happen that uh, hurt, and uh, sometimes it's uh, dreams that you had to let go of or just investments that you've, you've, you've tried to make, or sometimes it's the loss of loved ones and friends, and sometimes it's, it's the, the bruising of friendships. Uh, sometimes other believers wind up hurting you. Say, what? I thought we were all God's little sweet sheep. Let me tell you something about sheep. Sheep bite. You ever hung out with sheep? Sheep can bite. And anytime, and and you know, oftentimes we'll get upset at church. We'll get upset at that. Look, it it doesn't matter. You it whether whether it's church, whether it's a football game, whether it's just family, whether it's what a, you gather human beings together, woundings are gonna happen. That's just part of it. And, and uh, yet at the same time, there's growth that can take place. And uh, uh, so some of us, some of us are, are starting this year off uh, where, where the last maybe the last few years has, has left us a little empty in some areas. Uh, maybe you're coming through uh, the, the backside of, of a divorce or the, the, the other side of uh, losing somebody or, or you know, wh- whatever the case may be. Uh, I really just felt with everything in me, that the Lord is wanting to begin some restoration in our lives, uh, not just as as a church, but but as people, as humans, as families, as as uh, married couples, um, and even as a community. I really really feel that that's what God has in store for us. So uh, we're we're going to take three weeks. For some of us, maybe the 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 restoration is instantaneous. God may move, and you just kind of get this great epiphany, and you go, oh. oh. That all makes sense. Great, and and that'd be wonderful. Doesn't always happen like that. For some people, they walk it out over a span of a lot of a lot of weeks, sometimes months, maybe all year long. Maybe we'll we'll all meet back this time next year, and you say, you know what? I got some restoration, but I'm still working on it. I'm still a work in progress, and that's all right, as long as you're walking with the timing of God for your life for your situation. So today, today we're gonna we're gonna start with part one. We're gonna call it "Remember Me." Uh, a lot of times, we we. We, we misinterpret what's going on in our life. You know, first of all, I want to say God is very much in the restoration business. Revelation 21 says, and he who sits on the throne says, behold, I'm making all things new. Everything's going to be brand new. Second Corinthians says, of any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things are being made new. God is in the restoration business, and business is very good for God, I might add. You, you may say, Well, you know what? If God was this wonderful loving God, why would He even allow things to happen in my life that I would even need to be restored from, that I would even need to be healed from wounds and chunks of my life being stripped away from me? If, if he was really as loving as he tried to say, well, here's the here's the problem. We look at things very much through human eyes. We we see little snippets here and there. You may you may look at the, the fabric of the tapestry of your life, and you're looking at this recent ribbon that's been woven in, this thread that's been in there, and think that's the ugliest color. Why would God weave that into the tapestry of my life? That's disgusting. That's horrible. The situation that's happened is horrible. It's the worst thing that could have ever happened to me. Why would God let it happen? Yet as you expand and you start realizing this incredible, intricate tapestry that he calls your life, and as time goes on and you start seeing more of a revelation of what it all looks like, you realize that's just that color blends in with everything else to create the most beautiful tapestry and to create exactly who you're supposed to be, where you're supposed to be, and how you're supposed to be. Uh, we, we misinterpret it. Genesis chapter 2, God tells everyone, He says, Hey, look, look. He tells Adam and Eve, He says, You can eat from any tree in the garden, but don't eat from the, the, the knowledge of good and evil. Isn't that interesting? When, when do you think that God would want us to know the difference between good and evil, or good and bad? He said, no, no, eat from anything but that. Why? Because he understands that we mislabel things. That's all we do is label things, isn't it? This is good. This is bad. I like this. I don't like this. This is wonderfully flavored. This tastes horrible. You know, we, that's all we do. Everything in our life, we label. How many times have you sat there and thought, this is the worst thing that could ever happen to me? And then 10 years later, you go, Woo, thank God that happened to me because I wouldn't be where I am now. Well, how did it go from being the worst thing to one of the greatest things? because we mislabeled it? We're not God. we don't understand the whole picture, and so that's that's what God is going to help us to get rid of this dualistic mindset about our life and just to come to a place that we realize everything that's happening we, we don't have to la- we don't have to judge it as good or bad. It just simply is what it is, and God's going to use it to help us to grow to help us to be everything we can be uh, so that's why. God's not worried about having to restore you; He's gonna restore you because the wonderful thing about restoration is, it always raises the value of what's being restored. You can go take an old dilapidated car, and then then make it look brand new. Uh, go go check out Don Sickles' garage. I forget what kind of car he's got. It's gorgeous. It's an old muscle muscle car that some of his friends. It was it was pretty rugged looking when I first saw it. Some of his friends. Came, loaded up on a trailer, took it up to Nebraska, restored it. It looks gorgeous. Sounds gorgeous. I can always tell when Don is contemplating and and meditating on things in life because I can hear him meditating. He's in that car coming down my street. Oh, Don's thinking about life again. Uh, But it's gorgeous. He could turn around and sell that thing for thousands more than what he ever had to pay for it. Many of you have made a profit because you have bought an old house, restored it, and flipped it and sold it for thousands more than what you paid for Why? Because restoration always elevates the value of something. You can take an old house, everyone wants knocked down, restore it to its most beautiful original condition. People will pay you money to come sleep there and eat breakfast there, bed and breakfast stories all over the place. Look at this whole community, this lot of land. Howard, was it not a gravel pit swamp at one point? and now think of think of what the the value on this chunk of real estate here at Viridian is why because it was a restoration process so when god decides to restore something if he's going to restore your life that means your life is about to become far more valuable than what it ever was so don't don't be upset that god needs to restore you rejoice because that means that you're 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 going to have so much more wealth of knowledge experience depth of empathy and love and, and just, a, just a far deeper person and more holistic, round, uh, uh, I'm not going to say you're going to get round, I don't mean round, round like that, you, know, you all know what I mean. <laughs> you're going to be more well-rounded of, of uh, people. And let it start today. Let it start today. Where are we going to start? Where do, what does restoration even look like? Well, we're going to simplify some stuff because I'm a very simple-minded guy, probably the least educated person, on, uh, the least person qualified to even be up here. But but uh, so I have to break things down simply for my own taste. But we're gonna we're gonna start with a prayer because sometimes that's the only place I know to start in life is just to pray, talk to God. We're gonna start with a prayer, and it's the prayer of a thief, and hopefully it's gonna become our prayer today. And it's gonna be remember me. Uh, we're gonna read from Luke chapter twenty three. If you have your Bibles, feel free to turn there. Otherwise, you can look at the screen and just enjoy Sunday morning karaoke as we always do. Luke chapter 23, starting with verse 39. This is Jesus hanging on the cross, and he's he's on either side of him are two thieves. Uh, the most excruciating way that someone could be executed. And yet God chose that, he, He loved us so much that He wanted to prove how much He loved us, that He chose that most barbaric way of being executed for our sins. Luke chapter 23, starting with verse 39. Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. That's where we're going to get our prayer from, is that request that the thief, thief number two made to Jesus. He said, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. Now, let me say something about that. And I'm going to be very honest. That's one of the most ridiculous requests I have ever heard. Think about it. You are dying the most excruciating way that you can be executed and that's during the, the Roman time of, of, of crucifixion. And you had this epiphany that this is God hanging right beside you on this cross. If you got any way out, I really identify initially with thief number one. Look, if you are who you say you are, what you gonna do to get us out of here? Come on, man. I'll be your personal caddy for the rest of you know, time if need be, but let's get come on. If you're really God, let's make this thing work. Let's 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 hightail it out of here. Then you got this other thief rebuking him. Are you crazy? He's done nothing wrong. We're we're actually getting what we deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And you're going to mouth off at him. And, you know, it's as if to say, well, okay, then what do you have? What you got? What are you going to ask him? He says, all right, fine, I'll ask him something. When you enter into your kingdom, can you remember me? What? That's all you got? (laughs) You're dying. Don't, Don't forget about me think about me bring me to mind at times it's crazy if you think about it that's all you got you just you just want them to think about you from time to time no 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 you let's dive a little deeper into it it bugged me so bad many years ago i started diving into that word what in the world is he talking about remember me remember me look there i want you to know there there are words evolve words evolve um and this word remember went through a bit of an evolution. First of all, just to kind of give you an example of how words evolve. If I say the word grip, what do you think of? There you go, Andre. Yeah, grip. How's your grip? Ah, pretty good. Wait a minute. Nope. All right, better grip, <laughs> you know? Uh, these guys that will be breaking the stage down and whatnot, they got to get a good grip on things or they don't want equipment falling over and all that stuff. What? Grip. So the the strength of how much you can squeeze something, right? Well, my grandfather, who was an old Pentecostal uh, pastor many, many years ago, uh, he used to carry a briefcase to church. And that briefcase would have, you don't see briefcases that often anymore, but that briefcase would have his Bible, sermon notes, and maybe just some other things, uh, reminders, or maybe things people had given him uh, to look over. And I remember his name was Julius. I remember my grandmother uh, stand with my grandparents, and before we go to church, uh, my grandmother go Julius, don't forget your grip. Well, what was she talking about? She's talking about his briefcase. I guess because you go grip it <laughs> and carry it. I don't, I don't know why they would call it that, but grip. So it could mean briefcase. I remember uh, I was about twenty years old. Was invited to go preach down in Seguin, Texas. Uh, this little, small little church, and the the pastor and his wife. I was staying at their house. For the weekend, and and they had just a small, quaint little house, and I walked in, and she said, "Oh, hey, sweetie, why don't you go ahead and put your bags over here in the grip?" I was looking for a briefcase, and and here it was. She she meant like this little side closet. Just put your bags over here. I guess maybe because it grips things for you, you hang things up or whatever. I, I don't I don't know I don't know what, but grip can mean closet. I also remember. Uh, my brother and I used to be first ones in, last ones out to church. We we go, we did all the music, all that good stuff, and ran sound, and and uh, as teenagers and whatnot. And I remember getting there early, and the phone ringing, and Hilda Plumley, who was uh, the most senior member, the oldest member of our church. Uh, her husband Steve Plumley, Plumley, who came to the Lord, seventy-two years old. She believed for many many years. He was seventy-two years old when he came to the Lord. Watched him be baptized. Everything. Uh, she called in and said, "Said David, we're not going to be there. My husband Steve, uh, I'm, I'm having to take care of him. He's he's got the grip today." So I hung up. My brother said, "Who's that?" I "Said it's Hilda Plumley. What's wrong? Steve Plumley's got the grip." I "Said what's the grip?" "I don't. Know. I guess something got a hold of him. I don't know. Well, it's the flu, I guess. <laughs> you know." <laughs> I had to laugh. So grip kind of evolved to mean various things. This word remember, you can, you can trace it back into the Greek and Hebrew and then land in the Aramaic, and, and you'll find a word, and the word is "meno." So what he was saying is when you enter into your kingdom, can you meno mean? Can you meno mean? Mino" actually means the opposite of dismember or to put back together or to remember me. Physically, they were being torn apart. Crucifixion, your joints would pop out of socket. It was horrible. But not only that, his life was torn apart. What he was saying is, I never meant to end up on this cross. I never thought I would have to be a thief. I actually had goals and dreams. My parents had more expectations out of me than this. When you enter into your kingdom, could you put me back together? Could you remember me? And I love what Jesus said. He said, brother, you're going to be there with me. What do you mean? He said, you're going to be there in paradise with me. Where is he going to be? Paradise, in the kingdom. He said, when you enter into your kingdom, when you enter into your kingdom, could you put me back together? And he said, "Oh no, 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 you're going to be there with me. It's not just a matter of me being there. You're going to join me there. Join him where? The kingdom. Oh, well, he's going to be out in the great sweet cosmic city out on the edge of the universe where all the angels and harps and clouds and the, the, the angel choir, all that stuff. No, 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 no. The kingdom of heaven is much more deeper than that. I do believe we have an eternal abode, if you want to call it heaven or whatever you want to call it. I do believe I've got loved ones. there waiting on me when the time comes. But the kingdom of heaven is much closer than that. John the Baptist and Jesus, one of the, both of their first sermons were repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. Matter of fact, Paul in Romans, Romans 14 says this, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. He just spent a whole chapter talking about all these religious rules about eating and drinking. So, so to kind of apply it to us today, for the kingdom of God is not about religious rules, religious practices, but it's righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Think about it. What is the kingdom of God? He simplified it for us. Paul said the kingdom of God is rightedness. The word righteousness, that's what it means, right doings or rightedness. I was bent, now I'm straight. I was thinking wrong, now I'm thinking right. I was doing wrong, now I'm doing right. I was seeing wrong, now I'm seeing things clearly right. Ooh, How many wants that? <laughs> Man, I need some of His righteousness in my life. I, I need to see things and do things and hear things and perceive things straight and clearly. I need to do it right. So, so the kingdom of heaven is about being righted, straightened up, proper, <laughs> finally proper. Whew, I, you know, no one wants to walk around crooked. Man, God's got us walking around clearly. Don't worry, the stage is not going to collapse on me. I promise. I think I got it finally. I've been working on it. I think I got it finally shifted in place. Uh, righteousness, peace. How many want peace? Man, just peace of mind, peace in your house, peace. Of, the whole world could be falling around around you, yet you still have peace. Why? Because you're in the kingdom. You're in the kingdom. Joy. How many wants joy? We used to sing joy unspeakable and full of glory. Anyone remember that old song? It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy, joy that that surpasses anything in the world. Nothing in the world could give you joy like you can find in the kingdom of God. So it says righteousness. What's the kingdom of God? So righteousness, peace, and joy. Hey, Lord, when you enter into your kingdom, can you put me back together? When you enter into your place of righteousness, peace, and joy, can you put me back together? He said, no, you're going to be there with me. Okay, well, where's this kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy? Where's, where did Paul say it was? It was in the, oh, there you go. Someone help me. Holy Spirit. It's in the Holy Spirit. Man, well, if I can connect with, where's the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit. Uh, if I can get into the Holy Spirit, because if the kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit, well, where, where did Jesus, if you are a believer in Christ, Jesus has baptized you. He has placed the Holy Spirit where? Someone said it, in you. So the Holy Spirit is in you. That means the kingdom of God is where? In you. Whoa, well, I thought it was a big city floating out on the edge of the universe somewhere with harps and cherubs and clouds and robes and choirs. And now the kingdom of heaven is near. It's so near, it's in you. So when you enter into your kingdom, if I want to enter into my kingdom, I'm not going to find it in a church house. I'm not going to find it in the midst of fellowship. I'm not going to find it. In, I'm gonna, if I'm going to enter into the kingdom, I'm going to find it right here inside of me. Righteousness, peace, joy. That's why David in the book of Psalms said, be still and know that I'm God. Sometimes you've got to close everything out. And when I enter into that kingdom, the Japanese have a, have a term for thought, and it's uh, kumkuru. And it means to return to the realm of God. I actually like that. So when I can shut everything out, enter into my prayer closet, as the Bible talks about. What is that? That's a hidden place. That's a hidden place. It's an inward place. And I can start connecting my day with the kingdom of God. I'm going to shut everything out for a moment. Think about his righteousness. Think about his peace. Think about his joy. Stuff that the world can't touch. Everything could be like just falling falling apart all around me, and here I am in the kingdom. Now I can start being put back together. My thoughts can start finally lining up. My spirit can start breathing again. My my blood pressure can finally start going down. I can start realizing everything. Why? Why is it that way? Because that's where he is connecting with you. He said, hey, you're going to be with me in the kingdom. So you're not entering into the kingdom by yourself. You want to connect with Christ, where are you going to go? Into the kingdom, into the Holy Spirit. You're just going to take your time this week. I just want to I, I want to encourage everyone this week, take some time, whether it's five minutes, two minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I, I'm not worried about the, the physical time. But take some time to meet him in the kingdom, in that quiet place, and pray that prayer, put me back. Remember me, Lord. Put me back together. So is that going to solve all my restoration needs? It's going to start the process, I'm telling you. And I'm telling you, in that quiet place, when you can be still and know that he is God, not believe that he is God, because belief can be you know, tossed to and fro. Your beliefs today may be different come n- this time next year. You know, when you simply believe in something, you've got to debate about it. That's why everybody debates about politics nonstop. Because they merely believe in a candidate or believe in a political philosophy, they don't necessarily know it. Because if you know it, you don't have to believe. You you don't have to debate it. Nobody debates whether or not the sun's going to come up tomorrow. We just know it's going to happen. So yet yeah, we all debate politics. We all debate sports. We all debate w- food, because that's our belief, and we don't want doubt. Doubt can strip away our belief, but doubt can't touch knowing. That's why God said, "Be still." enter into your closet, enter into your kingdom, and know that I am God. Know that you know that you know. And let restoration begin. Remember me. Put me back together. I'm torn apart. My brain is scattered. My life is thrown to and fro. Could you put me back together? At this time, I'm going to ask uh, uh, if, if uh, Howard and Andre can help me out. They're going to uh, pass out some communion elements. We're going to take communion uh, to end this, this, this sermon, uh, the first Sunday of the month, or the first Sunday of, of the year. We're going to do this. But I want, you to, I want you to understand something. I believe very much in, in the pattern that Jesus taught, especially uh, uh, with prayer, The Lord's Prayer, when they said, teach us to pray, and he goes through the Lord's Prayer. He said, well, when you pray, pray this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where did we say that you connect with heaven at? It's in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is where? In us. So everything that is taking place within you, that righteousness, that peace, that joy, that that putting back together that is taking place in your spirit. Well, now you, wanna, you want thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Everything that is taking place inwardly, we want to start manifesting it outwardly. Everyone following? So, uh, there are things that you can do. Sometimes you need to speak what's taking place on the inside out. You need to say, that's why the Bible says, let the the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Let the sick say, I am healed. Why? Say, well, I'm not seeing it outwardly. I don't see any of this healing taking place outward. No, inwardly in the kingdom, there is no lack, limitation. There's always enough. There is no sickness in the kingdom. So everything that's taking place everything that's taking place inwardly in the kingdom you need, you need to speak out so to to begin manifesting it outwardly uh the bible talks about we all want to be overcomers revelation said that they were made overcomers by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony so so not only speaking it out but also just acting it out acting it out well one of one of the actions that you can do that will also instigate Restoration in your life is partaking of, of the Lord's Supper, partaking of communion. Say, Oh, wait a minute, how, how does that happen? Well, I, want you, I, want, I want us to read Luke chapter 22 as you're still receiving the communion elements. Luke 22, just one chapter prior to the thief making his request. Luke chapter 22 says this And Jesus took bread. Those of you who remember the order of breaking bread that we talked about the other month, he took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance. Do this in minnowance of me. When you partake of this, you are putting me back together. What is he talking about? We are the body of Christ. The only Jesus people will encounter is you initially. That's why you're the ambassador of Christ. You, you take Jesus to people. That's why we can't just come and meet and bottle it up here and say, "Woo, we had a good time. This is just the pep rally. We got to go out the rest of the week and share him all over the place. That's why we're dropping cookies off with new folk come tomorrow. We just want to share some Jesus with them. But sometimes we can be scattered. Sometimes we can be all over the place. Sometimes our, our, our hearts and our minds are, and, and our wounds keep us from coming together. And he said, no, when you do this, when you partake of this meal, do this in remembrance of me. Put me back together. How is it that it can put him back together? Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians. When he's talking about taking the Lord's Supper, he said, so let each individual first evaluate his own attitude and only then eat the bread and drink the cup. To evaluate your own attitude, you've got to do what? You've got to look inward. You've got to go into the kingdom where the kingdom exists. And start evaluating your own attitude. Oh, thank you so much, Lena. Look at that. My bomb's about to go off. Oh, I did good. I stayed the time today. But in order to take this properly, before, before you take the bread, before you take of the cup, you got to go inward. You got to check your own attitude. Maybe there's someone that you need to forgive today. Maybe there's something you need to release today. Maybe there's something you just need to forget about and accept and say, that's the way it is right now. Can't do anything about it. But God, you're still good. I don't necessarily like it, but it ain't going to rule my life. Whatever it is. Maybe you just need to shift your perspective. Just allow him to put you back together before you even take this. And now you are doing this in minoance of him. You're putting them back together. You are remembering him by remembering you. I want you to take just a few moments and begin to ask, ask the Lord what it is that you may need to shift in your life. Father, you are so good. Direct us, Holy Spirit, if there's someone we need to release, if there's something we need to let go of, if there's an issue from our past that we just haven't been able to forget, help us just to let go of it, Lord. It's in the past. We can't do anything about it, but we do have today. We have the present, and you exist right here in the now, and we thank you for it.